This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome to the Laravel News Podcast, episode 116. I've got my producer over here on the other side of the world, the amazing Mr. Michael Dorinda. He's giving me the countdown with the three, two, <laughs> like we're on a live, like, you know, like on a news channel. Gotta, I got my teleprompter yeah, up in front of me. I've got to try and keep it profesh. Profesh up in here. So we've got only 11 things to talk about today, but there are some jam-packed releases in here, man. I got to be honest. Like I was looking at 7.4. There's some crazy, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like I swear, we're like, okay, 7.4, certainly like these, this is it. I mean, this has got to be it. And it just keeps coming. I mean, there is just more and more and more. So We've got three releases to talk about, 7.4, and then Cashier had a new version. We actually had Nova release a new version as well, and there might have been something else, too. I think there might have been something else, but uh, we don't have a uh, blog post for it, so we're not going to talk about it. If you, you know, like Mr. Hemphill out there, if you want us to talk about Nova, we'd be happy to talk about it. I use it all the time. We just need somebody to write a blog post for it. That's all. You are, That's it. You are a big fan of the Nova. I'll give you that. I am. I am a huge fan of the Nova. It's it's amazing. I use it all the time. Um, so we've got the releases. We've got some news. We've got a, two tutorials. And then we've got four packages we're going to be talking about today. So let's jump right in, huh? Let's do it. Hit it. 7.4. Hit it. Hit it. Okay, so 7.4 released April. Actually, not April 1st. It was the last day of March. Not on April 1st. Didn't want to April Fool's everybody. But there was quite a few new features. So let's go through what they were. So there's a higher order when proxy for collections now. So uh, I believe this was previously only really on um, Eloquent, uh, I believe. Is that right? Maybe? Or maybe I'm thinking different. Nope. Thinking something different. We always had this on uh, collections, the when method. It's just this is now a higher order when. Uh, so they have this with a couple different uh, functions that they have. The higher order each, higher order map, I think. Higher order when is now in that list as well. So check that out. It's a higher order, pro- higher order proxy for you. So before where you'd have to say collection when, condition, and then pass a closure as a second value, you can say collection when, condition, and then that's it. No, No need to pass a second argument for the closure. So pretty cool. Okay, we've also got this artisan expects choice assertion. So when you are testing your console uh, methods in your test classes, as one does, what you might want to do in these cases is test the question, the or I'm sorry, not the question, but uh, the choices that you would have been given to go along with a question. So if you, for example, said, do you want to create a admin user or a manager user, right? And there would be two options, admin or manager. Previously, you could not test that those two choices would be the choices that would be given back to you, but now you can. And it's very simple. You just say this artisan and then the name of the command expects choice, the name of the question, what is your name? And then a uh, comma separated list of the different types of uh, responses that they might be able to choose from. So that's pretty cool. You can also guarantee the order of the choices actually by passing a fourth Boolean argument. So you can make sure that they come out in the correct order. So if that's something you needed to do before, now you can, ta-da, it works. Okay, 
Uh, Nielsen contributed the ability to define default props via a props directive. So previously, you might have needed to do at props, and then you pass in an array of what the different props are that are going to be in this component. So type and message, and then within that val- uh, in that uh, space, you might have to say dollar sign $type equals type, and then a null coalesce operator, and then what your default might be. And now in uh, the 7.4, what you can do is you can say props, and then you can pass a, I guess it's not like a nested array, but you just pass an array that has both a key and a value. So type, fat arrow, info, comma, message. So you can pass default props directly in that props directive. So that's pretty cool. In 7, uh, in Laravel 7, we also had this idea of a castable type uh, or castable class introduced. So in a model, you have your protected casts property. And what you could do is you could say this particular column, let's call it data, has this casting class. And this casting class would cast your value from that column into a class. So you have the casting class, and then you actually have what it gets cast to. So previously, what you'd do is you'd actually put in the class that does the casting, and then you'd put a colon, and then the class that it casts to. Well, now that's much simplified, because what you can do is you can actually just take that class that's going to be casting to ultimately, and you can put this function on it called cast using. And inside there, you can specify the class that's going to do the casting. I know that sounds a little bit complicated, and I promise it's not that complicated. If you take a look at it in the show notes or in this blog post, it's it's quite simple, and it really does clean it up quite a bit. If you're using uh, those cast custom class casts, you might want to check this out. Also, that is a tongue twister, my friend. Wow. <laughs> Casting class, castable, interf- oh yeah, lots of it. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even um, attempting to say that one. It's just... Too hard. Yeah, I haven't used I haven't used this yet, but like I think probably because I forgot it was there. I I think there are some things that I could refactor in our code base that would be really nice if I had this actually. Yeah, I can, I can think of like two or three right off the top of my head where we have exactly this. There's just like just JSON payload that we have, and it's not really anything other than we you know have to pull values off of it, but the IDE and our environment isn't really aware yeah. of what's in there yeah. because we don't have any class that it's actually cast to it's just kind of like go figure it out but go look in the database and then you'll know what what properties are in yeah. there in that json object but yes i'm definitely going to use the casting in the project that i am endlessly refactoring <laughs> yes then ping me that's absolutely yeah um okay remove orders from the query builder so jonathan rennick contributed a reorder method to the query builder to reset order by calls so what this does and i actually saw this the other day if you have like order by name in a query, you can't remove that order by. So if like for some example, for for some reason, you already have that order by on some query and you're using that somewhere else, you can't get rid of it. So what you can do now is you can call reorder and that removes the previous order buys that you had set. So it allows you to define default order and eloquent relationships with the ability to back out if needed. So you can say reorder and then order by again, right? So you can you can kind of reset it and then change the order by. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Of course, the full list of features and updates is in the release notes, which you can check out on GitHub or on the blog post that I'm reading all this from. So some pretty cool stuff in there. Thank you, Mr. Paul Redman for writing this up. Everyone favorites, everyone's favorite human. 
You were amazing. It was definitely five to seven five. Definitely a media release, and because we only do Man, no joke. only only do these things every two weeks, so we get two releases usually every uh, or two minor releases every couple of weeks on the podcast, along with any of the patch releases that come out in between. But Firewall seven point five was released on the seventh of April with the framework's latest new features, fixes, and optimizations. First up here, we've got some new HTTP client assertions, which were contributed by Christoph Rumpel. So we've got two new ones here. The first is the assert not sent method, which should return a Boolean condition with the constraints you need to match a request. And this provides a complement with the existing assert sent method, providing checks for the opposite case where your code should result in not sending a specific request or sending no requests. Said two, I guess the other one is assert nothing sent. So we've got assert, yeah, so like assert if you not just... sent and assert, and assert nothing sent. And this is on the... Yeah, so like the HTTP was never called, yeah. Correct, yeah. So this is on the HTTP client in your testing. The next thing we've got is a pull request from someone whose name escapes me, but I will find their name. <laughs> and this was actually a really useful one. And this has been something that's kind of not... I, I'm going to say plague. It's plagued the framework for a long time where if you had a database table that had an enum column in it, you could not use any of the change or rename column methods in a migration because the way that Doctrine or the DBAL library that handles all of the migrations didn't support enums. And it's a philosophical thing that Doctrine doesn't maintain state in the database, which is why it didn't work. But this was contributed contributed by Adrian Nuremberger, and it's the ability or a support for renaming a column in your database or making a change to your database if there is a if there is an enum in there. So previously you couldn't, and Doctrine or the DBAL library would just say, eh, if you try to run that migration and you have to drop into using the, the statement method and writing an alter table query yourself. So we have this ability now. I would still not use enums in the database, but that's a personal preference. But as a reminder, the docs currently state the following about changing changeable column types. Only the following types can be changed, which is big integer, binary, boolean, date, date time, date time, tz, decimal, integer, json, long text, medium text, small integer, string text, time, unsigned, big integer, unsigned integer, and unsigned small integer. So change now to support this. So it wasn't just that you couldn't change the enum column. If the enum column existed, you couldn't change anything using the Blueprint class. So that is a significant change, especially for those of you who have previously used enums or have inherited a database table that has enums in it. There was a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Last one that I have here is more casting updates. Brent Roos contributed direct instantiation from within the castable cast using implementation. So if that is something that interests you. This is exactly what I was... Yeah, so... So this is essentially, if you've updated to 7.4, you're likely just going to update to 7.5. So previously, what we had said in the last release was that no longer do you have to put this funky syntax where it's, here's the casting class, colon, here's the class you're casting Mm -hmm. to. Now, you know, which you could just put, here's the class you're casting to. And then within the cast using, you would put that same funky syntax that you had before, which was cast, you know, casting thing and then cast to this object. Now you just have this you can just return it much simpler in that cast using method. So again, it's it's kind of hard to like justify reading. It's not going to make sense if I just read it. But in any case, again, if you're using that, you're going to want to check this out. And so it just makes the syntax much simpler. 
makes it much cleaner and feels really good using it. Yeah. Yeah, I like this a lot better. Yeah. So that is all of the the major points in Laravel 7.5. There are some additional things that have been fixed and optimized, but we will include a link to all of that in the show notes. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got Laravel Cashier 11. So Mr. Eric Barnes wrote this one, our fearless leader, Eric Barnes. So can you believe it was six years ago that Laravel Cashier amazing. was released? It's amazing that it's you been that You were just a long. baby. I was. I was you were just a baby. I was barely little, out of the womb six years ago. I was like 28. Wow, it seems like an eternity ago. <laughs> old man now. Old man. Okay, so old man. So six years ago, Cashier was released just before Laracon with the goal of being an easy way to use subscription billing systems that tie directly into Stripe. And this was huge at the time. I mean, Stripe was good then, but Cashier just made it dang simple, mm. right? Just so simple. So since then, Cashier has continued to get a lot of nice upgrades. And this week, the Laravel team released a brand new version of Cashier, Cashier version 11. So this supports Stripe's new multi-plan subscriptions and new tax rates feature. So the multi-plan subscriptions allow you to assign multiple billing plans to a single subscription. So you can imagine this being the case where you have somebody who's already had a subscription with you and you don't want to set up a new account for them in order to upcharge them, right? For instance, so if you say like, hey, you can do this, but in-game purchase, here's another thing, right? You can add on to your plan or whatever. This allows you to have multiple billing plans with a single subscription, right? So it's useful if you allow uh, upsales or secondary features. Secondarily, the new tax rates feature allows you to apply a tax rate on a model-by-model model basis, which could be helpful if your customers span multiple countries or tax zones. So uh, previously, I'm guessing what would happen is you kind of set up what's, what sort of taxes you were going to do in your Stripe config, right? And it kind of just applied those across the board. But now what you can do is on a model-by-model basis, you can define what the tax rates are going to be for that particular user, right? So if you have, uh, again, multiple countries or tax zones that you're supporting, this will allow that to be much easier. There are a few new requirements that you have to have. So here they are. You have to have PHP 7.2 or greater, Laravel 6.0 or greater, and Stripe SDK version 7.0 or greater. Uh, and then it also requires some new migrations. You should follow the upgrade guide for the complete details. Very cool. Thanks, Laravel team. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, we've got. Let's go. Let's go into the tutorials. If we if we shall, if we can, okay. let's do that. So in our tutorials, we've got this six Laravel eloquent secrets to improve your code. And talk about that one. I love a good secret, but secret no more. Eloquent is the default ORM that ships with Laravel and re-implement, sorry, it implements the active record pattern and provides an easy way to interact with your database. Every single model represents a table in your database that you can work with. So this post by Stefan Bauer talks about some of the more or less hidden secrets, methods, and properties you might not know about to improve your code. The first one that he's touched on here is snake attributes, and it's essentially a public static snake attributes property, which is a Boolean and indicates whether or not attributes are snake cased on arrays. So very often people make the mistake of using the property to change how to access the properties. And many people believe that if you change this property, then you can easily access the attributes using a camel case notation, which is not the case. It is strongly advised against using it. And it is merely there to define whether attributes are camel or snake cased when the model is output as an array. So if you're passing it into a eloquent resource, or if you're calling the two array method on it directly. If you want to use with camel case properties, then check out the eloquence package by Kirk Bushel. Next up, we have some pagination stuff. If you're using eloquent for your ORM, 
which most of us would be, I would assume, then you are in luck, which provides an easy way to paginate results out of the box. So if you just tack on the paginate method onto your query builder, then this will paginate the results. It will handle paging through, you know, if you say you want 20 per page, then you can straight away go through and just have links generated for you that go to the next page, go forwards and backwards and things like that. So if you have paginate 20, the method will then paginate the comment model with 20 items per page and changing the value gives you the possibility to define how many items are displayed on the page. And it's quite common to use like a request parameter or something like that to allow your users to manipulate the pagination value. Assuming that you always want to dis- display comments, for example, in the several several places on your website and you always want to display the same number, then uh, it, it can be a bit tedious to have to do that anytime you, you reference the, the comments. You'd have to go comment paginate 20 every time or comment paginate 30 every time. But you can, however, set the default value directly on the model through the protected per page property. So if you want to always display 30, then you can certainly do that in your model itself. Next thing we have here is appending custom values to models. So if you're using accesses to have derived columns or things like that, say you've got a first name and a last name in your database, but you want to have a full name, you would create a get full name attribute and you would return those two values concatenated together. However, if you were to call to array on your model, you'd find that the full name attribute or indeed any of your accesses doesn't exist. So what you can do is create uh, or add an a protected appends property in your model and pass that an array of all of the accesses that you want to automatically appear in your array output. Uh, So if you're not going to the extent of using eloquent resources, then you can certainly use the appends option here and that'll take care of it for you. You can also use mutators for non-existing columns. So mutators are the opposite of an accessor and they use to set values on your model. For example, if you wanted to convert different inputs then you can usually save the smallest possible unit. So if we're working with time, you could store seconds in the database. And then if you wanted to set the duration in minutes or in hours, you could do that manipulation inside an accessor and take the seconds and multiply by 60 to get minutes or 60 by 60 to get hours. Uh, Essentially, this means that you can use non-existent columns like duration in minutes on your model but in the background, you're only ever storing seconds. So this is useful if you're doing currency and you're wanting to store in cents in the database, but you're wanting to access in dollars, then you can certainly do that really, really easily. Anytime you set the duration in minutes or set duration in hours, this will handle all for you under the hood in Laravel. The next thing you can do is set eager loading automatically on your models. So using the protected with property, you pass it an array of relationships that you want to always load. And anytime you reference the model, Laravel will handle doing the eager loading for you. I would caution, add some caution to that one in that there is the possibility that you're always going to be pulling in bigger data sets than you need. So be mindful when you're using default eager loads on your models. And the last one we have here is model keys. From time to time, there's a need to fetch all the ideas of a specific query. And it doesn't matter whether this is a complex query or not. Most people would probably do something like user colon colon all arrow, pluck, and then ID, but that gives you a collection. And then if you want to get an array back, then you have to call to array on it. However, in most cases, you can shorten this to just doing user colon colon all arrow and then model keys. And it will carry out the query where it just gets the primary key of your model and returns that as a flat array ready for you to pass into whatever else you need to do. And I've had to do this recently. So something that I can look at to refactor as well, just to tidy up some code a little bit 
uh, make it a bit more expressive, a bit more ergonomic. So there you go. We took six things and we dragged it out <laughs> to the full, full, <laughs> full post now. So thanks to uh, Stefan there. S- Stefan responsible, he's, he's running that book, isn't he? Am I making that up or have I confused him with someone else? I've recognized his face. I'm not sure. I, I've seen him on Twitter. If we've interacted before, I'm not sure what it is that he's doing, though. We could find out. We should find out. While I talk about, while I talk about this next thing, why, it don't is, you go, it why don't you go research that? It is Stefan. Stefan and Bobby are writing the Laravel Secrets book, which you can check out at laravelsecrets.com. Oh, nice. Very nice. Okay. We've got another little tutorial here called Catching Laravel Validation Errors in Vue. And this is written by Shane D. Rosenthal. So he kind of starts out the tutorial with a little bit of uh, background on what exactly it is that he's building and how he gets into his Vue component. But we can skip most of that because that's pretty much just talking about exactly what I said, the context and not really the, <laughs> not really the tutorial part, which is Catching Laravel Validation Errors in Vue. So the nice thing is that Laravel validation, number one, there's like five different ways to do this. Like you have like validation in Laravel is like a Swiss army knife. Like you have so many different ways to handle validation. So the way that he does it in in this particular tutorial is to use a form request. But this really does work for any type of validation that you're going to be doing in Laravel because the way that it always comes back if you're using JSON, right, if you're requesting JSON and the framework sees that you're requesting JSON, it's going to send back a nicely formatted error object. And with that, the key of that object that you get back will be the name of the field that was submitted. And then along with that, we'll have an array of values, I believe, I believe that's how it works, that represents uh, any of the error messages that came back. So regardless of if you're using a form request or using any other method to do your validation, that's kind of what's going to be uh, what's going to be there. So the way that he set up his view form is pretty much just to have a bag in there in his data uh, that's just set for errors. So it's initially set to null. Uh, but then what he does in his tutorial is in his Axios submission in the catch portion, he gets the errors that are returned from Laravel and then sets those equal to that this.errors data element. And then he just shows how you can loop through those and display those errors at the top of your form in a nice, easy to digest format. And so it feels very uh, similar to what you would do if you were just using a blade form, right? Where you just say, if errors, then display for each error as whatever, mm-hmm. as for each errors as error, then you just loop through and show the, show the uh, message, right? So basically, he just shows how you should do that or how you could do that one way of doing that in a view form. And of course, as always, again, there are a hundred different ways to display it as well. But this is a nice straightforward one for any simple forms that you might have. So if this is something you've looked to do before and you just need a little bit of a handholding, a little bit of guidance, this is a good one to check out. I would also suggest looking at Spassi has a package for this where it will basically do this for you. But I think also it kind of helps you to highlight uh, specific fields, right? So you might have an error message at top, that's fine. But on occasion, you might also want to outline that field in like red or in some sort of highlighted color to specify for your user the exact field that's having a problem. Uh, so Spassi has a package for that with that, you know, works with Laravel and Vue to kind of pass those back and forth between the two places. And so check that out if that's something you're interested in as well. Okay, moving on from that, we've got four packages that we're going to be talking about today. Let's talk first about the Blade Icons package. Did you get a chance to look at this before, Michael? I did have a chance to look at this before, in fact. Dries Vince. Dries Mr. Vince. Dries, he's on fire. He is. 
So yeah, this is good stuff. The Bleed Icons package was created by Dries to make it easy to use the Heroicons, which were released as part of the Tailwind UI package as free and open source icons. At The easiest place to get to them is heroicons.dev. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. But this package that was created by Dries is essentially taking all of those icons and creating Blade components with them to make it much easier to reference your Heroicons directly in your Blade views. So rather than having to find the icon that you want and go and copy and paste the SVG or do the, you know, put together the Blade components yourself on an ad hoc basis, this package will essentially allow you to just grab all of the icons and make them available to your applications. And then you can reference them as Blade components by using the X colon Heroicon hyphen and then O dash adjustments if you want to use the outlined adjustments icon or if you would like to um, use any of the other. I think there's probably, you know, 50 or 60 of these icons. I think there's outlined and solid. Correct, yeah. yeah there's outlined and solid, right? O for mm-hmm. outlined and S for solid, I think. But yeah, then there's the name of the yeah. icon, I suppose. Yes. So uh, I don't know exactly how many icons there are, but there's a good good selection of them. They're all consistent. Uh, obviously, if you're using Tailwind or if you're using Tailwind UI, these icons fit very nicely in that design system. So definitely check that out. We will have links to both the icons themselves and the package in the show notes. One of the things that was always sort of a pain when I rolled my own sort of deal with this as well was how you pass through classes or inline styles, Mm -hmm. whatever. And he's made it really easy to do that as well. So yeah. And the other thing I like too, is it's self-closing, right? So it's not like an open-ended closing tag. It's just like one spot and then done. You know, class equals any of your tailwind styles or style equals for inline styles is really nice. Yeah. So yeah, super sweet. I'm loving it. And uh, we're we're definitely gonna be using that coming up here soon. Let's see. We also have a Discord notification channel. So if you've not used notifications in Laravel yet, they're really, really nice. Basically, what it allows you to do is it allows you to say, I want to tell the user something or any model. I want to notify some model of something. And then you have channels that you can then deliver that notification to. So you can have a mail channel, you could have an SMS channel, you could have a database channel, you can now have a Discord channel as well. So the Laravel Discord package allows you to send messages through a webhook via Laravel notification channels, and it supports either Discord or Slack style payloads. So they give an example of what it might look like. It's got a really nice API, return new Discord message, arrow from the name of the, the application, Arrow content, you put the content in there, embed, and then you can embed a like it's like a smart tag almost. Uh, if you've gotten those sorts of alerts in Slack before, right? Like sort of like smart tag where you can have a title and like a description, and then you can have like fields with buttons mm-hmm. or whatever. It does all that for you. So you can do that with this package. So pretty cool. So you can check out the GitHub repo or look at the show notes, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious as to who built this one. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't use Discord that much. I know there's like a Discord channel, mm-hmm. like a Laravel Discord channel. I just like those things get so busy. Yeah. Know. It's hard to keep up. Especially when you're in a completely different time zone from everyone else. Yeah. It makes it, yeah. it makes it, you just wake up and there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of messages. So yeah. It uh, looks like um, this is from a, from an agency, AWS, LSAT, AWS SAT. So thanks to them for this package. Yeah, man, I'm going to age myself. But I remember back in the day, the IRC channel that they used to have. I have, I got a ton of help on that, yeah. like in Laravel 4.0. That was first starting. Jeffrey Way hadn't even been around for all that. Well, he had been around for forever, but, but I'm saying Laravel, Laravel yeah. was brand new. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Laircast was brand new. So I was watching that, hitting up Matt Machuga and the IRC channels. <laughs> it was good times. Oh, what was the other guy's name? Ryan. I forget. Uh, anyway. Ross Tuck? No. No? No. Oh, yeah. I remember Ross. Yeah, mm. Ross Tuck. But no. No, it was Ryan something else. I can't remember. Anyway, he's like an Ember guy now. Right. But good times. There you go. Okay. That's that. That's that. So we've also got this auto set a local time zone for users package. Talk to us about that one. Yeah. So Laravel time zone is a package by James Mills that sets a time zone for a user in your application and then shows dates and times to them in their local time zone. It works by listening for the user login event and setting the time zone in the database using the Laravel GRIP package under the hood to look up the user by the IP address. You can display the localized time zone to the user using a provided facade, which is just time zone, colon, colon, convert to local. And then you pass in the, you know, the timestamp in there. Um, there's also blade directives to do this, and you can convert the localized date back to UTC if you need to take something from the user's local time and then store it in the database. So you can obviously, as with everything that we talk about, learn more about this package and get full installation instructions from the blog post, which we will include in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, we have one more here. This is a class-based factories Laravel poser. So this Laravel, Laravel poser is the name of the package. What it allows you to do is to create class-based model factories in Laravel applications in seconds. So let me try and explain kind of what that is. A lot of times in your tests, what you may have is you may have something like create this user and then for this user, go ahead and create three projects. And then for those three projects, for each one, go ahead and create a new job for each one of those projects and then create three check-ins for each one of those jobs. And then what you have to do is for this particular test class, right? Maybe if you're doing your end-to-end test, maybe you have multiple things that you're testing. So you end up having to repeat that block multiple times, right? And it just makes your tests look really messy. So you have a couple options, right? You could extract it to another method and just call that method in the beginning of each one. But if you need to use that in another class, you're kind of stuck, right? So now what do you do? So what this does, what Poser does, is it allows you to create these sort of class-based model factories. So you could give that whole setup a name, like user factory, for example. And I'm, you know what? Maybe I'm, I think that's what it is. I think, I think that's what it is. Oh, looks like, oh, wow, this is interesting. This is even better than what I thought. So this does user factory times 20. So you take, it takes your user factory. It does 20 of them. And then it says, has address. So it looks up the relationship for you and creates an address for you. And then it says, with customers. And then it says, customer factory times 20. And then with books. So this is, it basically just links all of your relationships together for you automatically, it looks like. And it, it wow, it's so much cleaner. So much freaking cleaner yeah. than what I was even imagining it was going to do. It's, so that looks great. It's a lot nicer. I know, I know that... Caleb and Daniel spoke about this on their podcast twenty yeah. percent time ages and ages ago about having having ago. classes uh, class based factories because it just helps you contain everything and you could have um, specific you'd have your base user factory but then you could have um, I think they refer to it as stories so you could have like a user story stories yeah exactly. and then you have yeah. a, a user that has posts and a user that has comments and all of that kind of stuff and being able to contain it rather than I know that you can create multiple model factory you know, files in your database factories folder and things like that. But having a class base makes it really nice. Obviously, if you're using an IDE, you get the the intelligence there around what's available in that class and, and things like that. And it just makes it a lot cleaner. It's it's much more readable than the the default. It'd be cool if, if this ended up in 
the the framework at some point as well. It feels like it. It feels like it is honestly mm. like when I'm reading it, it just seems very like native. It feels very native. Just the the syntax user factory new with customers. It it just looks at it and mm. says, oh, does it have a customers class? Yeah, or you know, does it have a customers relationship? Yeah. Yes, it does. Just call the integer of how many times you want to do that. It's it's really really clean. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it looks excellent. Definitely worth I checking out. This. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna check this out. Hold on. Who is the author? Luke, no. Yeah. Luke Ray Mondowning. Luke Downing is his name. Luke Raymond Downing. Yeah, Luke Downing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, nicely done. That's awesome. Okay, well, there's that one. There's yeah. that package. And I think we have one more item, mm-hmm. which is, I should just take this because I'm like the PHP Storm guy. Go on. What do you feel like? Do you feel like there's been more people jumping on the PHP Storm bandwagon? I feel like there has been. I kind of feel like there has been. I think we each live in our own sheltered little thing and you see everyone taking up PHP Storm and I see everyone taking up BIM. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Like even in cash money, right? I mean, David Hemphill's been on the PHP Storm. Track. Yeah. Even TJ Miller. TJ Miller's been on the Constantly PHP Storm fighting track. PHP Storm, David Hemphill is. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like I I always get to hear their whining and complaining and like, hey, Jake, how do we do this? Yeah. And, he was, he oh was stuck on that thing for quite a while and it was the most obscure thing to fix it in the end but that was two or three days where he was trying to get php storm just to run his test without asking him and how to configure i almost it. you know what i you know what i almost said i almost said ask ask freak he'll he'll figure it out and then i was like nope i can figure this out and i did i got <laughs> you it did. you got there but it took it took the, two three of you like three days to figure that yeah. out whereas i was just sitting there and just it's just true. running my tests everything was working fine hey you know who we should have asked who christoph christoph rumpel christoph rumpel we should have asked him you know why i think he knows a thing or two about php storm he might he actually teamed up with JetBrains to make and produce a new video series on working with php storm called php storm tips with christoph rumpel so it's out there there's episode one two i'm not i'm wondering how many episodes there are now so there might only be two episodes right now But in future episodes, Christoph will dive deeper into Laravel projects and share his tricks and secrets of development with PHP Storm. So there's a a, uh, YouTube series out there and you can subscribe to it to be notified when those tips are released. But we love Christoph around here. He's a great guy. He's been, he's spoken at Laracons before, um, super active in the community. Just earlier in the show, we had some test methods that he contributed to the framework. So yeah, he's a good guy. Definitely go check this out. Give him a shout out on Twitter. Say great job. Mm. Give him some encouragement for all the all the work he's putting in here. This is great stuff. Definitely. I think that wraps it up for us, man. I don't really think we have much else to talk no, about here. It's, that's so we had this episode. We're good. Yeah. I'm gonna I get to go through and do the satisfying work of check, 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 check all the boxes in my notion little document here. They're all checked. Beautiful. I didn't write sign out. Hold on, I'm gonna write check box. <laughs> sign us off. Anybody else out there a big notion fan? I just man, it's good stuff. I love it. You're addicted to it. I am. I am addicted to it. Totally, totally addicted to the notion. Notion of the ocean. It's, motion of the ocean. I, I really have liked it. It's there's I'm learning more stuff about it all the time. The thing the thing with all of these tools, and we've spoken about it before, I love a good to-do app. I love putting things into a to-do app. And then I never remember to open the to-do app to check off that I've done the thing. Or I just after a week or two, if I'm lucky, I just stop using it. And I I've got really poor memory. And so it's bad that I rely on my memory to do things. Oh my gosh. But I also need to rely on my Same. memory to remember to use the tools to help me not have to I rely on man. my memory. 
I hear like, so I think for me, it's just like so simple that I don't have to, and it's just, it's okay. So it's really simple, but it's also as complex as you need it to be. So like I can do anything I need. And I think it's also really, um, it auto saves everything and everything is auto categorized. And it's not also my code editor, Mm -hmm. right? I can't write code in here, right? Cause like it used to be sublime. I would just open a sublime thing and just start typing as use it as my scratch pad, but then it's lost. It's just. It's gone. And with Notion, it's always saved in here. You're using the Mac app. You're not using the web interface. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And so like, for example, like when we started the show today, I knew that it was episode 116 because I just pressed command P, LNP for Laravel News Podcast. Oh, what was the last episode? 115. Where did we end off on? Oh, here's where we ended off on. Like, it's just great. Yeah. It like, it gives me superpowers. (laughs) I would never remember that. I would never remember that. You know that. I know that. Every single time it's me asking you what episode we're on every single time you think i remember though all i do is open up the podcast.laravelnews.com website and just look at what the last episode was and then i add one to it it's it's a highly scientific i need i need a good dad joke no you don't to make you roll your eyes again i I do have one that my my kids told me the other day Uh i have one ready okay okay why did the chicken cross the road why to get the to the dummy's house knock knock who's there the chicken you're the dummy get it <laughs> so that's a pretty good that one, was right good. That, was, I mean, <laughs> that was that was like a, a two-part joke it was it, it was it's layers part, you know yeah it was layers and it's two like very traditional jokes in a row right why yeah. the chicken cross the road knock knock joke i mean it's just good yeah no one and in the end you're the dummy no one I sees mean, it's, it's no good. one sees you coming there and and yep. and ending up as the dummy at the end of that joke. No. As the dummy. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, hey, I hope everyone that brought a little bit of joy to your to your day. Uh, this was episode 116. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for a little bit and tuning in. If you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate it up in your podcatcher of choice or even better, just give us a retweet, give us a heart on Twitter or give any questions you have about the show, about our terrible code reading on the show and tell us to stop that. <sighs> Tell us to please just we haven't been stop, able to stop right? in nearly three years. We never do. We never can. But hey, if you'd like to say hi on Twitter or on whatever email, maybe. Yeah. I check my email sometimes. Yeah, go say hi. And then uh show notes for this episode will be found at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 116. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that how this is? That's how it works. Now, yeah. I, think. I mean, okay. you can still just go to laravel-news.com slash podcast. That that all still can works. Can you really? Yeah, Hold of on. course. Hold on. Because I like I like saying that better. Laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 115. Does that still work? I don't know. If, it still works. Yeah. No, no. No, it doesn't. No, you can just go, it doesn't work. Just go to slash podcast. It'll be fine. Oh, let me see. Hold on. Slash podcast. Yeah, slash podcast works, but you can't do like slash 115. No, because so. they're not numeric. They're, uh, they've got slugs. Okay podcast.laravelnews.com slash 115. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. Come on. Transistor. That's it. Yep. There it is. Okay. So that's how it is, people. podcast.laravel-news.com slash 116 is where you can find show notes for this episode. Whew. Thought I had it wrong. We should just do the out of product, out of product podcast. They just say the show notes for the episode will be at laravel-news.com. That's it. Just just the website. That works. I'll be there. You'll find them. That works too. Yeah. They're, they're somewhere. Top of the page. This is for like archival purposes. So for sure. like in in five years when somebody's listening to this, they won't be. But in five years when somebody's listening to this, they're like, oh yeah, I remember Laravel 7.4 when that released. That was the hotness. And then they're going to be like, I wonder where I can find show notes. And we just tell them laravel-news.com. They're like, no. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. Any of the old ones don't work anymore anyway. Yeah. Any of the old show notes episodes? Any, any of the old, uh, old episodes where we That's did right. show notes? They don't work See? anymore. Those links don't work anymore. Laravel-news.com. Oh, my. Easy. All right. The canonical link. All right, everybody. Hey, hope all are staying safe out there. Uh, man, this is so crazy. Like, I literally can't believe. Like, I've, there's never been in my life. The closest thing is 9-11. Mm. There's never been in my life a time where it's literally been the entire globe affected by something. Something. Like, everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Like, COVID-19, coronavirus. Everybody knows what's going mm-hmm. on. And uh, it's just kind of wild. So hopefully you are all staying safe out there, wearing your masks, keeping your six feet, your social distancing, no unnecessary gatherings, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Stay safe, everybody. Take it easy. We'll speak to you all in two weeks. See ya.